Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. We are starting a brand new message series this morning on the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine fruit of the Spirit. Today is an introductory message added all together. We've got ten messages in total, and that means this is going to take us right through the summer. It's a wonderful a summer message series for us to be looking at together as a church family. You know, anytime I'm working on a message or series of messages, I, I read a lot of books to help me. I study various commentaries. And, you know, when I present the messages, I don't always share all those sources, although I, I do try to reference direct quotes and I point out various uh, resources that might be helpful. However, uh, one of the resources that I'm using for this particular message series is a Bible study on the fruit of the Spirit that was developed and taught uh, by my wife, Rosie, uh, right here at PCC back in the 1990s. Uh, it was an excellent study, and I am using her notes as part of my study materials for these messages. I always knew I'd preach on the fruit of the Spirit one day, and I knew that I would use her study notes when I did that. And so as we go through these uh, messages and the fruit of the Spirit these coming weeks, I want you to know that a lot of the thoughts, a lot of the structure, even some of the wording uh, in these messages come from Rosie and her study on the fruit of the Spirit. So credit where credit is due, and I want to thank you, Rosie, for your diligent study of God's Word and for sharing the fruit of your labor with us. So thank you for that. So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, let us stand together for the reading of God's word. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look into your word this morning, and Lord, as we begin this whole series on the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to you even now, Lord. Lord, open to let your spirit and your word work upon us and change us. Lord, I pray that the people who we are now, we would be very different people at the end of the summer because we will have allowed you to work your changes in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, I've subtitled our series on the fruit of the Spirit, Growing More Like Jesus. Growing More Like Jesus, because that's really what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. When you become a Christian, God gives you His Holy Spirit to help you, to change you, and the Holy Spirit works within you to develop the character of Christ in your life. And so today's message is also called Growing More Like Jesus. This is an introductory message. It's going to lay the context for the whole series by helping us understand three things. Three things we're going to look at this morning. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Number two, why is the fruit of the Spirit so important in your life? And number three, how? How do you develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life? There are a couple of inserts in your worship guide this morning. Uh, the first one is just an outline of today's message. I'd encourage you to take that out to follow along, maybe jot down some notes. 
Uh, but the other one is, a, is an overview of the entire series. And uh, I don't know what you do with these uh, weekly outlines. Some of you bring them home. Some of them that you throw out, you just use it for the message. That's fine. But I would encourage you to hold on to this one for the summer. Uh, keep it in your Bible or put it someplace where you'll see it, either by your mirror or uh, by the refrigerator. I go to the refrigerator a lot, so that's a good place for me where I can see it. And read through this often this summer. Meditate on the fruit of the Spirit. Memorize the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, make that part of uh, your worship of the Lord this summer. And as we do these things, God is going to develop his fruit in us. So let's get started now. Point number one, what exactly is the fruit of the Spirit? We already read through its individual parts uh, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but what is the fruit of the Spirit overall? Well, there's a number of things we can say about this. First of all, it is one fruit, not many. One fruit, not many. Sometimes we call it the fruits of the Spirit. We, a lot of us I sometimes do that as well. But what does the Bible say? The Bible calls it the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is, right? doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. In other words, there are not multiple fruits of the Spirit from which you may pick and choose, okay? There is one fruit that flows from the Holy Spirit and that manifests itself in these various characteristics that we're going to be looking at. And so we shouldn't think of these various characteristics as different kinds of fruit. Rather, they are one fruit. Think of an apple cut into many sections, right? Each one of those sections is part of the same apple. Each one of those sections is just as delicious as the next section, They're all part of the one fruit. And therefore, we should consume the whole fruit if we want to be satisfied. One section alone will not be enough. This is one of the several differences we'll be looking at this morning between the gifts of the Spirit, what we call the gifts of the Spirit, and this, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, first difference is this. The gifts of the Spirit are plural. They are gifts. There are many gifts of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is one. Another difference is that God doesn't give you all the gifts, right? Uh, he gives, you, gives different gifts to each believer as he chooses. But we all receive the one fruit of the Spirit. God doesn't want you to have all the gifts. That's why he only gives you one or two or three. But he does want you to have all the fruit. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? First of all, it's one fruit, not many. Secondly, I want you to notice that the fruit of the Spirit is something God does rather than you do. Okay? It's something God does rather than you do. We call it the fruit of the Spirit because God's Spirit produces God's fruit. God's Spirit produces God's fruit. And if we back our way up in Galatians 5, back to verses 16 through 18, we read this. Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what is contrary to the to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Here Paul tells us to 
live by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, because when you live by the Spirit, when you allow the Spirit to lead your life, He will produce His fruit in you. You cannot grow the fruit of the Spirit on your own because we are all captive to our sinful natures apart from Christ. It's God's Spirit that produces God's fruit, so you need to live by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit day by day, yielding to the Spirit hour by hour, depending on the Spirit moment by moment. I love the story about the young boy who used to like to escape from his second-story bedroom window. There's an old fruit tree uh, outside his window, and he'd climb down that and get away during the night. And one day he heard his father speaking to his mother saying, I'm going to cut down that old tree. That tree hasn't borne fruit in years. I'm going to cut it down tomorrow. So the boy went out and he purchased a bushel of apples. And he and his buddies that night while everyone was sleeping went up and they tied the apples all over the branches of that tree. Next morning the father shouted to the boy's mother, Mary, I can't believe my eyes. That old fruit tree that was barren for years is covered with apples. It's a miracle. It's a miracle because it's a pear tree. (laughs) See, trying to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life without the Holy Spirit, folks, that's like tying apples to a pear tree. The fruit of the Spirit is something God does rather than what you do. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives because we cannot produce His fruit on our own. God's Spirit produces God's fruit. And this becomes even clearer when you contrast the fruit of the Spirit with the acts of the sinful nature. We move to our next verse in Galatians 5. Now, verse 19, Paul says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Why do we call them the acts of the sinful nature? Because they are actions, right? They're actions. The acts of the sinful nature are things that you do, right? They are your works. They are your actions. But the fruit of the Spirit is something God does. He develops His fruit in you through the Holy Spirit. Note also that the acts of the sinful nature are many, right? They're listed in the plural as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, which is one. We do the acts of the sinful nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is something that God does. God develops His fruit in you through the Spirit of God. So what exactly is this fruit of the Spirit then? Here's our definition we're going with. It is the character of Jesus that God grows in you. It is the character of Jesus that God grows in you. Notice when you look at the list of the fruit of the Spirit, it's not so much a list of things to do. Right? It's not a to-do list. Rather, these are character traits that God wants to develop in you. But they are not just any character traits. They are the character traits of Jesus. And that's why we call it one fruit. Because together, these character traits form the one character of Jesus Christ. That's also why we're calling our study on the fruit of the Spirit growing more like Jesus. Because the Bible describes the whole process of growing as a Christian as growing to be more 
like Christ. For example, we read in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we are being transformed, right? Changed, transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And where does that come from? It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's interesting, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is sometimes called the Spirit of God. He is sometimes called the Spirit of Christ. Then Christian life is a life of transformation where you grow to be more and more like Jesus through the Lord who is the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Or again, we read in Colossians 3, 9 and 10, you have taken off your old self with its practices... And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. In other words, you are a new person in Christ, and you are being renewed in the image of God. Jesus perfectly reflects God the Father. And through the Holy Spirit, you and I, we can reflect the character of Jesus the Son. And so the fruit of the Spirit is a beautiful picture or portrait of Jesus Christ. And God wants your life to reflect that beautiful picture. By the way, this is another one of those differences between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit all have to do with service, how you serve the body of Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit has to do with character. Or think about it this way. The gifts of the Spirit are what make us different from each other in the body of Christ, right? We are each given different gifts so we can serve each other. But the fruit of the Spirit is what makes us the same in the body of Christ. God wants each one of us to reflect the same character as His Son, Jesus. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? It's one fruit, not many. It's something God does rather than you do. It is the character of Jesus that God grows in you. So that's the what. Okay, that's the longest part of the message. Now we're going to talk about the why and the how. First of all, why. Why is the fruit of the Spirit so important in your life? And here we're going to talk about three things. You'll see them all in your sheet. God wants you to grow in godly character. It is part of your Christian witness to others. And number three, life is just so much better (laughs) when you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So let's take a look at each of these. First of all, God wants you to grow in godly character. This is one of the reasons God saved you. This is part of what it means to be a Christian. We read in Ephesians chapter 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, we saw this earlier, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You are a new person in Jesus, and God wants you to grow into this new self that is created to be like him in righteousness and holiness. Paul writes in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 11, how as believers we are to be filled with the fruit, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Once again, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus, which reflects the very righteousness of God himself. So that's the first reason why the fruit of the Spirit is so important in your life. God wants you to grow in godly character. Second reason, very important here, 
It is part of your Christian witness to others. It's part of your witness. Jesus said in John 15, 8, he said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 1 Peter 2.12 tells us, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so the fruit of the Spirit, this is part of your Christian witness. When you display the fruit of the Spirit in your life, guess what? People are going to take notice. They are going to see Jesus in you and they will be attracted to him. People can sense the difference between people who are walking in the spirit and those who are not. And they may not know at first what's the difference about the believer, but they know something's different. And they are drawn to that. And so that's the second reason why the fruit of the spirit is so important. It's part of your Christian witness. It's part of how you're going to draw other people to Jesus. And then the third reason is simply that life is so much better when you have the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go back to Galatians 5 again. We're, we're up to verse 19. We're going to read verses 19 through 21 now, where we read about the acts of the sinful nature. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, and then Paul lists some of them for us. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yikes, what a list, right? Now take that list and contrast it with the fruit of the Spirit in the next two verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So two lists, right? You tell me. Which would you rather have in your life, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, hatred, discord, envy, drunkenness, or love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Which person do you think is happier? Which person do you think is more fulfilled in their life? Which would you rather be? Why is the fruit of the Spirit important in your life? Three reason God's, reasons. God wants to grow godly character in you. He wants you to grow in your character. It's part of your Christian witness. And life is just so much better when you have the fruit of the Spirit. We've looked at the what. We've looked at the why. And now we want to talk about the how. How do you develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Three things we need to look at here. First of all, you want to grow the Holy Spirit in your life, you got to weed the garden, okay? You need to weed the garden. What do we mean by that? We mean you need to be killing sin in your life. We read this in Colossians 3, 5, and 6. It says, put to death, therefore, right? Put it to death, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Don't just put it aside. Just don't hold it someplace till later. Don't bury it and dig it up later. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then we see a very similar list to Galatians 5, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. There's a famous quote from a preacher from uh, actually several hundred years ago. 
It goes like this. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. It's a good one, isn't it? Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. You need to put to death those things which belong to the sinful nature. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I weed the garden? How do I kill sin in my life? Romans 8.13 says this, If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. How do you kill sin in your life? It's by the Spirit. Same thing we just saw in Galatians 5, right? The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. What was Paul's solution to this? Live by the Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. He says it in Galatians 5. He says it in Romans 8. Put to death the sinful deeds of the body by the Spirit. That's the first thing you got to do. You want God's fruit to grow in your life. you got to weed the garden. Be killing sin. Secondly, you need to water the garden, right? I mean, can you imagine if you did all that weeding left there and you forgot to water the garden? Everything's just going to die and shrivel, right? Well, how do you water the garden? You water the garden by reading God's Word. We read earlier in the service from Psalm 1 about about the person who's filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Don't you want to be like that? Don't you want to be like that tree planted by streams of water, that water continually feeding you so that nothing withers, so you can yield your fruit in season so that you can prosper for the Lord? Well, you've got to water the garden. You need to read and study and delight in and meditate on God's Word. You see, the Word of God and the Spirit of God go together. It's interesting, there are two verses that are parallel to each other in Scripture. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then the parallel passage of that, everything else is the same except these opening uh, phrases says, uh, Be filled with the Spirit. Those two phrases are parallel to each other. In other words, they go together. You are filled with the Spirit of God as you let the word of God dwell in you richly. And the Bible tells us that you need to be filled with God's Spirit continuously, those streams of living water, right? Sometimes once, some, someone once asked uh, D.L. Moody uh, why he needed to be filled continuously with the Spirit. You know, he said, you, you keep talking about that. You need to be, why is that you got, you got to do that? Why can't you just be filled once? Moody replied, because I leak. That's why I need to be filled continuously. You know what? That's all of us, isn't it? We all leak. We all leak. And so we need to be continuously filled with the Spirit. And how does that happen? It happens as we continuously dwell on God's Word and allow God's Word to dwell in us. you got to water the garden. And you do that by reading God's Word. So you got to weed the garden. You need to water the garden. And finally, you need to Remain in the vine. You need to stay connected to the root, to the source of life. Jesus said in John 15, verses 4 and 5, He said, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, if you want to bear fruit, you need to remain in the vine. If you want to bear the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you need to abide in Christ. When you do so, God promises you will bear much fruit. But apart from Christ, you're just tying apples to a pear tree. Without Jesus, you can do nothing. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says the same thing. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, I pray that all of you here today have prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, now continue to live in Him. Rooted, right? That's that word for connected to the life source. Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Live in Christ. Develop a close relationship with him. Branches don't produce fruit on their own. You could weed the garden. All the weeds are gone. And you can water the garden. But if the branch is just lying there on the ground, disconnected from the tree, doesn't matter that the weeds are gone. Doesn't matter how much you water it. No fruit. That branch will never bear fruit. We need to be connected to the tree. There needs to be a constant surrender of your life to Jesus if you want to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Billy Graham asks the question, are you abiding in Christ? He writes, this is the primary condition God sets down for us before we can really bear the fruit of the Spirit. And then he asks some diagnostic questions for us. He asks, is there any unconfessed sin? in your life that is keeping you from a close walk with Christ? Is there any lack of discipline? Is there any broken relationship with another person that needs healing? Whatever the cause may be, he writes, bring it to Christ in confession and repentance and learn what it means each day to abide in Jesus. So that's our introduction to this series. I hope you're excited about this series. I know I am. I hope you're excited about learning more about the fruit of the Spirit and growing in the fruit of the Spirit this summer. And if you're a believer this morning, if, you're, if you are in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit in you, right? God's already given you the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is simply that as we study these things together, you will seek to grow to be more like Jesus. I pray that you will learn to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and you will ask God every day to develop the fruit of His Holy Spirit in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I can't think of any better way to live. Can you? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the truths that you teach us. Lord, we can't do this on our own. We've tried. We've tried. We look at that list of the fruit of the Spirit, and, and we know that we have uh, fallen down in so many ways. But Lord, maybe we've been trying to tie fruit to the branches. 
instead of looking to you and leaning on you. And so, Lord, this summer, help us to take your word to heart. Help us to come hungry each week and then go home rereading your word and, and studying these passages and, and yielding ourselves to you. Help us to weed the garden, water the garden, and abide in you that you may grow and develop your fruit in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.